Hello listeners and welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast. I'm your host Ian McNally and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. In this episode, I travel to Healesville, a small town really famed for wine, but I wasn't talking wine with anyone. I went and found Watts River Brewing and spoke to Aaron and Ben. There's a few little noises in the background, a bit of mic rattle in this one, but I think you'll cope. Um, It's a great episode and great 12 choices of beer, six each for Ben and Aaron. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast, Um, Ben and Aaron from What's River Brewing. Welcome. Thank you. We're sat in a lovely brewery here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and what's going on. What's River is basically uh, our two families that have come together. Uh, Ben and I met quite a while ago working uh, at White Rabbit. So when I started there, we were straight away put on shift together and pretty much, we pretty much worked together the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we were on shift the whole time. Yeah, which is fun. Um, and then good. when that gig uh, wound up, uh, we didn't really want to leave Hillsville because we we saw the potential in Hillsville and really liked where we were and really liked the locals and uh, we really liked what we were doing. So we thought we'd stay basically. And with a lot of help from family and friends and things like that, we yeah put in our little brewery, little five hundred liter brewery out on Hunter Road. And now we're yeah pushing out a bit of beer. So uh, and and Ben, you agree with all of that? Yes. You, you <laughs> <laughs> you, Otherwise, you <laughs> I would have spoke out. <laughs> you uh, you work together on shift at White Rabbit, yep. and you just couldn't let the relationship end. Is that that it? Yeah, pretty much. So we worked really well together. At when White Rabbit was winding up, it was pretty much Aaron and myself making all the beer White Rabbit beers produced in Hillsville. So um, we just know how each other work and don't really even have to have much of a conversation when we're working together. We just sort of know how each other works. It works really, really well. So I'm presuming that you you kind of, there's a bit of tongue and groove, for want of a better phrase, but you <laughs> <laughs> but you um, you complement e- each other's skill set. Because you, were you doing the same job at White Rabbit? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so much. Ben had a lot more packaging experience than I do. Yeah. Um, and I was running the brew house a little bit more but not yeah. not that much and more. so how's that transferred into what's river uh, what 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 skills are you doing the same thing do you need or are you take responsibility running a small business we do everything yeah basically yeah. <laughs> i think both of us do everything now um and that's one of the things that i tell people is very different about life now um back in the day we were very we had a very specific job our job was to get beer in that bright tank or into the package in spec every single time and keep that going and do it as best we can and try and make the process better where we could and now that's that's only part of our job which is you know frustrating and exciting at the same time (laughs) (laughs) so um you're based in Hillsville. you said you didn't want to leave uh Hillsville and obviously Yarra Valley is famous for its wine uh now you've got four pillars gin where does beer fit into that into the landscape and, and for those people who've never been to Healesville or don't know what it's about well, can you describe about what Healesville is what the essence of it is so it's really lots of tourists come through here on the weekend either going to Eildon or going out to the forest which is just out out of Healesville or going to the wineries and the having a brewery in Healesville complements like the wineries and stuff and um, gives an extra reason for people to come out and visit the Yarra Valley because it's beautiful out here. We've got lots of great wineries. Now we've had four or five good breweries out in the Yarra Valley and the distillery. And yeah, the distillery. So and there's more distilleries to come. Um, so there's lots of exciting stuff here, and and food and wine and and beer and even ciders um, all sort of help drag people out here. And it's a beautiful spot to visit. So yeah. Yeah, I came here at the weekend, and I was really impressed uh, not just by the geography and the offerings but actually the professionalism of the hospitality i thought the hospitality offerings were 
were world class, uh, including talking about my dad. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> he is world class. Definitely. <laughs> well, he was kind enough to, to chat to me and my friend, so um, that was very nice. But um, no, the the offerings is are really good and obviously the natural uh, attributes obviously lends itself well to wine but when you go into the, the venues the hospitality is is really excellent so i think it's really well positioned and you've got uh your cellar door open tell us a little bit about um how how often it's open and um so we're open every day except for tuesday and wednesday um from 11 until 5 but on friday and saturday evenings we stay open until 9 p.m so come down here and Friday or Saturday evening, have a drink. Um, it's a small little cellar door, and when you're in the cellar door, the brewery's right there, so you're not hidden away from the brewery. You can see it. If you're in here when we're brewing, you can smell it and feel it. So occasionally, you have to get out of the way of us carrying grain past and stuff, yeah, all <laughs> that sort of stuff. So you're really right in in the brewery when you come and visit us, which we really wanted to show off our brewery, and we put our barrel condition beers right in the cellar door so people feel like they're part of the brewery and we want to make people feel part of the brewery and welcome and see what we do and and all that and how's the um the cellar door being going you know how has it been obviously you get a fair share of tourists people who might visit and you might never see again or you might see them in a year what about the locals how are they um taken to the brewery yeah, good. We've, we're a bit limited here with our, our patron numbers at the moment, so we, we haven't been able to, you know, spruik too loudly about Cell the Door. Um, but we've, we have got a good sort of core group of locals that turn up. Generally, Friday nights sort of seems to be their night. Um, they come and tell us what we're doing wrong and demand <laughs> beer and stuff. But they're, yeah, I'm, I really like our group of guys that come in. Yeah, and in terms of the beers that you're offering, one thing I noticed is that the, the fairly... Um, safe beers would that be fair to say um but um you can <laughs> respond to that one but i think one thing that really stuck out was that they the quality um was exceptional i thought every beer that i had even the ones that weren't to my taste were really really spot on beers is that a fair comment to say that they're I don't really think of our beers as safe. Like I know we get a bit of feedback that way. Um I like to think of our beers in a sort of a a good way as being simple. Um, a lot of the beers that I've I really love, and I know that Ben do, um, are really simple, flavorful beers. We try not to overcomplicate things. We try to do things simply and well. That's sort of a bit of our ethos. Try and keep it that way. Yeah, and to make them so they're sessionable. So our beers are probably drier than the average craft beer, so they don't sort of weigh you down. And so once you've had one, well, you want another one. So that's the way I like to drink beer so yeah <laughs> so, yeah but really we put a lot of emphasis on quality control so we propagate yeast we really take fermentation seriously we keep all our tanks and clothes so everything's really well designed and sanitary so yeah we can repeat the process of making quality good sessionable mm. beers well I think the beers are actually um, really suitable as well you know considering that you um appealing to tourists locals people coming through um but i believe you do have plans for some more avant-garde things happening i'm looking over at the barrels um which are climbing quite high up the wall uh, they're getting there so what's what's going to happen here uh, we're we're currently filling a lot of our the passion that we share is um is about long-term barrel aging mm. that's something that we really love and something that we're trying to build on at the moment sort of build up our stock uh, we've got a fair few different things in barrels at the moment. Um, we just got a cool ship, which is pretty exciting. So we're using that to cool some wet down and get it into barrels for some long-term, you know, uh, spontaneous ferments. But we've also got a few filled with, you know, mixed ferments and Britannomyces ferments and things like that. So it's longer-term um, endeavours, I think, is the way we look at it. And they'll be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very much looking forward to coming back and trying those once they're uh, once they come to maturation. Um, so let's. Uh, you're here to talk through your six beers that changed everything. Um, Aaron, we'll start with you. Your first beer. My first beer is not really a beer that I would. <laughs> I don't think I'd happily drink it again. It's not really my, one of my favourite beers, but it does stand out to me as an early on sort of thing and it's Bogue Strong Arm Bitter. 
Uh, it's probably looking back at when I just I began drinking as a, a younger bloke. It was something that I bought quite a bit of, and it was something that uh, I don't know, in sort of a, a beer wankery way, was slightly different to whatever all the other dudes I was hanging around with was buying. And um, amazingly, it was some dizzying five point four percent rather than you know the Carlton Cold four point whatever that everyone else around there was drinking. Um, yeah, like I said, not not an amazing beer, and I'm, I'm not doesn't exist anymore, so I'm not sure I'd buy it again. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, it's it's probably the first time I I think I was making conscious choices um, about my beer rather than just turning up to a party and someone hands me a beer. You know, it's something you don't think about it. It's something I was going, okay, I want something that's a little bit different to what everyone else has got, and you know, possibly it was a little bit bigger and possibly it had a little bit more flavour. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a bit, a bit of a stretch, um, but yeah, it's probably one of yeah one of the first things I can remember from thinking about beer. Yeah, so that was that sounds like one of those beers where th- there isn't a great deal of choice, but you're trying <laughs> to choose at the at the margin. Yes. Uh, what was what type of you know, strong arm bitter? What what was the color of I it? And what was it? Oh, kind I remember. So it's going to be from memory, but I remember it being basically uh, an Australian lager. But it was slightly darker, and ABV was slightly higher. It wasn't anything more than that, I don't think. I'll have to look up the story. It had like a guy, like an arm with the bottle balancing on it on the front, (laughs) and the neck label had like a horse, a guy riding a horse with a spear. It was very dramatic. And it was in in brown glass, which, you know, a lot of the other beers around there weren't, especially in that sort of price range, ABV range, things like that. So I know it drew drew me in somehow. Yeah, that description know. sounds like you know <laughs> if you've had too many, you start looking too deeply in the pictures, yes. and you kind of <laughs> have troubling nightmares. But um, Ben, what about your first choice? I'll start with one of my favourite beers, the Orville. Or Orval, I'm not exactly 100 percent sure how yeah, to pronounce it. How much flavour um, do you want to give it? Yeah, that's it. So, um. So this beer was actually first given to me by uh, the owner of Red Hill Brewery, Dave Golding. He gave me a bottle of this and I'd never tasted anything like it. So it's a beer with Britannomyces in it. So this really introduced me to Britannomyces. It's got a bit of a funky farmhouse, really good Brett character in it. Um, and it just blows my mind every time I have it. It's It changes over time. When it, If you get an older one, it's more bretty. If you get a really super fresh one, you can still get a good amount of hops on it so um it's beer that changes but it's always good and ever since i first had it i just fell in love with it and and it's really influenced my direction in in what i like to brew and in doing these wild ferments such as what what's in the barrels in the room and and we'll do some brett stuff in stainless as well so yeah it kind of changed my direction in i'd always just use brewer's yeast and kind of thought Brett would be sort of not wouldn't make a good beer but it's amazing so complex and delicious yeah it's actually come up on the podcast before the the Orval and it's sort of 6.2 percent there and I'm just looking at the side of the bottle here and it's got the the date on there as well when it was bottled so and I did notice I took a home six pack of uh, your stout on Saturday and you have the bottled on date very very clearly on the bottle, which I'm, I was so impressed by, <laughs> and you can't rub it off for you. <laughs> no, we so tell us tried really this. hard. I'm sure you could. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> tell yeah. us about the decision to, to do that. Oh, uh, bottled on. So, well, if it's best before, well, you don't have, well, you really don't know when it's bottled. You can take a guess. So most domestic beers put like nine months on there, or for export, they'll put 12 months on there. So... You know exactly how old it is. You can make a decision yourself whether it's too old for you and don't want to buy it or or it's within the range when you do want to buy it. So, yeah, we just want to be up front. What's the capacity of the, of how many beers are you knocking out in a brew? Oh, so it's a little 500-litre system that we've got. So we're knocking out, you know, 500 litres or 1,000 litres depending which tank we fill. Um, and so at the moment we'll probably take 60 cases out of a batch at a time. And we're doing that, you know, once a week sort of thing, or maybe a bit more often. 
Um, and yeah, so we the way we do it is at the moment is we take all our labels that we're about to put on bottles and we run them through another printer mm. and print all those details on there to make sure they're nice and clear and they're definitely going to be there. Yeah, I think that's why I was impressed because um, obviously a lot of um, brewers, particularly at that's that's of your size, kind of that's a stage a bit too far or a bit um, more expense to do that. Um, so it's really good that um, well, it's something we're we're pretty passionate about, mm. like. Especially with hoppy beers, um, if you're really into hoppy beers, walking in and then picking up a bottle and not knowing how old that beer is, is in you know unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose the other thing on that is we, like even with the bottle on date there, well you still don't know how it's been stored. So if you find it from the brewery here, all our stuff is kept cold, um, and it just lasts so much longer when you keep your beer cold. So yeah. Um, so we're really passionate about keeping our beer as fresh as it can be for when the consumer has it so it tastes its best yeah well that's great that was definitely true of the stout <laughs> so yeah. it was beautiful so aaron choice two choice two um thinking back in a nostalgic way again um i was thinking of the sort of the the first beer that i think every person that goes through a beer journey tends to go through their hop phase I think you get you figure out what hops are and you have a beer that you know blows your mind and then you just want things that are hoppy. Well, that's the way it happened for me anyway. Um, and for me, that the beer that brought that on was Alpha Pale Ale from Matilda Bay. Um, and living out in the burbs at that stage, uh, you'd have to you know find the bottle shop that had that. It was still sort of slightly rare, and or you'd have to drive to go and get it. Um, but yeah, that was probably the beer that. W- Push me into that side of things, and then after that, it was just I needed hoppy beers. That's what I was all about. <laughs> it's quite strange. It's very true what you say. Mm. It's almost like people that get addicted to the the hoppiness, and then you have to kind of outdo yourself each time. Yeah. You and then you reach a threshold, and then well, for me, and then it tapers on back a lot. Yeah, you kind of have an ESB and think, oh, this is quite this nice. Is good. Yeah. <laughs> or you have too many old ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah. back when I was really pumped about it, yeah. didn't matter how old it was or oxidised, as long as it was freaking hoppy, I was all over it. Yeah. But then you can become a bit more mature about it and a bit more discerning, I think. And what was the... What, can you remember the alcohol percentage on it? Oh, it would be around 5, 4.95, yeah, so I'm guessing. So quite, still quite approachable. Slightly bigger, yeah, maybe, maybe it was. Yeah. It was a good beer in its day. It was a d- it was really clean, yep. hop, mm. hop finish on it. So it was, it was actually quite good. Yeah, it is one of those beers that I have very fond memories of, and no, it just that that didn't last. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's quite sad sometimes yeah. going through the six beers. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't even mates. get it anymore. That one, there's two you've listed that you can't. No, get. I can't get anymore. Yeah, I'm, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ex-girlfriends or boyfriends that you never yeah. want to talk about again. Well, <laughs> it's like <we're> just <laughs> well, like with our, our, our current core range beers, we have actually assigned personalities to each of the beers because we, you know, we we do think of them that way. They're they're sort of mates. They have a they have a personality of all their own, and and our job is to sort of maintain that personality. Um, but I think of it for other beers as well. So it's that yeah. is you know, lost a mate. Yeah, oh, I think that's the saddest <laughs> moments on the oh. podcast so far. <laughs> Sorry, I'll bring bring the mood up. You, you were supposed to go on the "I've Lost the Mate" podcast. The <laughs> <laughs> Ben second choice. Uh, yeah, I'll go to Little Creatures Pale Ale because it's um, yeah, it's had a big impact on my life. I suppose so. I can remember tasting it the first time I had it. It just really. The, yeah, the hoppiness, not quite as hoppy as the Alpha, but it it was, compared to what I'd had before, it was really good, clean, hoppy beer that I hadn't really had a fresh one before I'd had Little Creatures Pale Ale. And I still quite happily drink it. And I also worked for cr- Little Creatures, well, White Rabbit was part of Little Creatures, so I had a lot to do with um, the crew at Little Creatures um, over the years, so... Yeah, it's just brings back good memories, I suppose, that beer, and it's still a good beer. Yeah, I think all beer drinkers kind of would drink the pale ale, and but it was availability, wasn't it? Is that you could get that in a pub where sometimes you could get nothing, 
and then you saw the little creatures yeah. in the fridge and it was I had it actually the days. first time I was in on tap in Melbourne so I was oh. at the Great Britain because um, I knew the head oh no he wasn't Alex Troncoso I'm mates with who I met at a brew club um, he well, got a job at Little Creatures then he said it's coming into Melbourne or whatever so it should come down so had it on tap at the Great Britain and <laughs> yeah just it was amazing it, yeah. it was just so delicious and just showed what that good beer could be made in Australia and it just grew from there it's, it's Little Creatures was reasonably small at that stage so and now they're huge yeah so I think um I think the Great Britain, so it was the first place in Melbourne to have Little Creatures Pale. Pretty on tap. sure. Yeah. So I think it was the first place to have Mountain Goat Hightail yeah. on tap as well. Yeah. Um, so, bit of history there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, is the, the only pub still open? It is yeah. still open, yeah. yeah. I think so it recently while, got it sold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, not not what it used to be. Is <laughs> 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 that what they say? Yeah. <laughs> But neither is actually, neither is Great Britain the country. So <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it's it just a nice follows <laughs> symmetry there. Yeah, it's well named. Um, I, I've got the little creatures. They do have the date on the side here. But if you take one out of the fridge and uh, it's it gets moisture on the outside, you can wipe that off. Mm. Yes. So very very easily. So uh, you're way ahead. Yeah. <laughs> with your labels. <laughs> no, we dealt with those. That's why they print two. Do all the thing on in case one rubs off. They've got there's <laughs> half a chance they're still on there. But we had big conversations when I was at when we were at White Rabbit about what the best ink is. We tried different inks and all that, but they all they all still rub off with that date code if you print direct on the bottle. But yeah, something so special about glasses, no? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's <laughs> nothing it. sticks it's on it. Slippery. <laughs> uh, Aaron, choice three. Um, yeah, because Ben and I have quite similar tastes in things um, and there's a lot of beers I've deliberately tried to choose beers that I didn't think he would um, but the next one I just can't avoid it the next one is Duval for me I yeah I think I, I had Duval for the first time quite late I was already working in breweries and things and I yeah for some reason it just escaped me um, and I'd been through obviously the big hop phase and you know big flavours and out there beers um, and then yeah, having Duval for the first time, I was like, this is everything I want to do right here. Can I just make that? Does Duval want a brewer? And it was just, that was, yeah, really a, a light bulb moment that it was a super dry, like ridiculously dry and super flavorful beer at the same time. Mm. Um, and it looks great. Great and bottle. Consistent. And consistent. Um, yeah, so it's pretty amazing. And it's, it's something that, yeah, if there, I can't think of a situation where someone would say to me, do you want a Duval? And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I cannot conceive of a time where that would happen. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll just yeah. have a bit. Yeah, sure. Probably an RBT. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe what it's who's presenting it. What is it? It's like 8.5%, is it? It's yeah, but yeah, it. you wouldn't know. It's yeah. sneaky. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and using the alcohol as, as a body agent and as a, a flavour mm-hmm. agent to get flavour across, not using it as just guy because it's got to have alcohol in there. Um, yeah, I think that's true of you. your IPAs, 6.6, is yep. it? And the stout is 6% as yep. well. And that's definitely true of both of those where you can it does carry the flavour. And um, in terms of consistency, is I've spoken to quite a few different brewers who say, well, you know, we can brew as close as we can get and but our customers like that sort of thing are you kind of trying to nail the getting the same beer again and again and again is we try to get the same again unless we deliberately make a change <laughs> is is the answer and that's quite regularly like we'll, we'll say oh maybe it'd be better if we tweaked it like this or tweaked it like that or got new season hops or something like that and you need to tweak it then say the ipa it's really reliant on on hops in the season and all that so you kind of have to make adjustments due to mm. the hops whereas the blonde and the stout are probably a bit easier to keep consistent mm. um, but the ultimate aim is to make the best beer you can which means you're trying to make the same thing over and over because if you have inconsistency well then one, one batch is worse than the other batch and you always want it to be its best mm. and we're pretty good at, at hitting targets and we spend a lot of time and bought a lot of equipment to make sure we do keep it as 
keep it pretty consistent. How much do you factor in into the into kind of the business plan to to throw away? Do you factor that into actually, you know, mistakes will happen or things will go wrong? Yeah, the, the you're going to have a you know a chiller die or a valve leak or some or the power in heels or the power goes off for a day. Um, there there are things out of your control that are going to happen. So we we were aware of that. We were um, we knew something possibly would happen one day but if you know if you're aware of it and you stick to your quality controls then you know so be it yep so um ben yes choice three um well i did have duval on my list but i've got a backup one so i'll, I'll leave that <laughs> off so we could put that one in brackets yeah we'll we put that uh, one in brackets <laughs> so i suppose i've got another brett beer here which is rayon vert um which is from Green Flash Brewing out of uh, the US. So, again, it's a bit like Orville, but probably a bit more um, sort of fruitier, I suppose. Um, yeah, but really got some really good, clean Brett characters. Clean as in sort of farmhousey clean, I suppose. Um, but you can't get it here anymore, so it really disappoints me. Um, so... They there is rumours that they might start exporting again, but their domestic growth was just far outweighing what they could, so they couldn't export anymore. So it's a bit of a shame, but it's a really good beer if you get your hands on it. So you've actually got this is a original bottle. That is, yeah, it's leaked. So, but I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, I've kept it so we can we can nick the, so we can use it for a culture. So we yeah. just nick the yeast so, out of it. Yeah, we were hunting that beer down for a while there when it was getting thinner and thinner. Yeah, I ended up getting like a dozen that some bottle shop in Adelaide had. And so I emailed a heap of bottle shops and they had a dozen left, so I got them to ship them, ship wow. them over. <laughs> so how old is it? Uh, probably three years old now or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, uh, the Brett cultures will still be alive in there, so we'll, we'll probably prop them up and chuck them in a beer. Yeah, how long would, would they stay alive? Oh. Jeez, <laughs> depends, I suppose, but I, I'd say up to a decade. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah in in decent conditions, in decent conditions, um, not ridiculously hot or anything. It lasts yeah. for a yeah, long, long time. They're pretty hard to kill, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know very little about it, so that's why I'm here today. <laughs> so you can uh, you can educate me. Um, so what are the what are the plans? You're very young as a brewery, but you're you're very experienced in the profession. What's the plans going forward? What's the ambition for Watts River? To, to sell the beer we're making so we can make some more beer, <laughs> basically. Um, a lot of people ask us, you know, oh, are, you gonna, are you looking to sell out one day? You know, are you looking to be bought? Or oh, have you got these massive growth plans? Do you want to be worldwide or anything like that? And I, I think because we're, we're brewers, we're not, I, we're not entrepreneurs. I don't consider us entrepreneurs at all. I think our first thought is just, I want to make beer, and then how do I how do I get make it so that I can continue to make beer? Oh, I sell that beer, and I, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to build our operation bigger, um, and a bit more capacity, so we can do a few more things. Um, but yeah, I'd, that's keep it pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, probably add a few more beers to our range would be nice. But then yeah, just hopefully steadily grow and yeah run out of space and look at what we do then yeah well it's nice to hear that the beer is the central thing to it it's kind of straight i suppose it's a question that all new breweries get asked is when are you going to sell out and even when you haven't started to <laughs> yeah it's but um ridiculous. kind of talking i suppose heelsville was the the center of that um when little creatures got bought out and white rabbit was a central part of heelsville and the beer scene Victoria and then moved obviously moved to Geelong uh, you didn't move with it presumably yeah, basically. <laughs> and so what did that have an impact on a town or did it kind of leave a bit of a vacuum there you kind of is part of your role here to fill that space well White Rabbit showed that it could work so they made because their bar and brewery was thriving it was the yeah their cellar door was doing really well and I think it's doing pretty well in Geelong too but they did leave a, a vacuum people wanted a brewery and and that they could go to and and yeah so it's 
white rabbit proved it worked so that we it kind of took out a bit of a risk in in making the decision to be here is because we know people will come and there's people around that want beer and if we do it right well people will come and so uh, it's been a very hot topic uh in the uh craft beer world for want of a better phrase uh about independence and your independence presumably yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yes yeah. definitely and um obviously you you work for white rabbits who are now no longer independent um where do you kind of stand with that whole debate is I that is it important is it not is to it me i think you should just drink the beer you like drinking so but don't be scared of trying anything new so if you like carlton or drink carlton but at least try something and try to understand what else there is out there and and explore what's out there and if you like little creatures buy little creatures but try our stuff as well you might be if you don't try new stuff or you'll never find possibly you won't find the drink you most likely most prefer so yeah just yeah but if it's independent or not it doesn't really me. Well, as long as they're overt about that, I think is yeah, something no, I we, think that's, yeah. we're quite passionate about. Mm-hmm. Is um, don't pretend you're a, a small independent brewery when you, in fact, are not. Um, that's yeah. I think for uh, the majority of consumers, when they walk into a uh, a big chain store bottle shop, it all looks independent, uh, yeah. and it's very hard to dis- dis- differentiate, particularly when they don't put that on the label as well. Yeah. Um, but I do encourage everyone to drink Bogue's Strong Arm Bitter. <laughs> I've heard it's excellent. Bring so. it back into production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder when the, the patent dies. Maybe we can brew it. Nah, it's getting too close to go. <laughs> yeah, could you do. Could, was it like McCracken's or something? That was an old beer yeah, that got think, rejuvenated. Yeah, was think it? like Thunder Road there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we'll go on to the fourth choice, Aaron. So in yeah, um, Ben choosing Rayon Vert in the last choice was sort of a a, a modern brewery um, interpreting a Belgian style Brett beer. Which my next one is is also in that style. It's um, Brux by Sierra Nevada and Russian River, which was a collaboration they did. Uh, it was very hard to get hold of, so I didn't get to drink much of it. But I remember it um, really opening my eyes to Britannomyces and the sort of the modern interpretation of that two very extremely technically able brewers getting together and I'm pretty sure the conversation was we should brew something a bit like Orval yeah that sounds good let's give that a go and that's <laughs> I think that's as far as it went and then they figured out the technicalities and did it amazingly um, so I think we're try- also trying to be a, a modern interpretation of that old style and old technique and old flavour profile um, and that was yeah just one of the beers that was big in sort of punching me and going you you could do this too you could work on this stuff it's not just thousand year old breweries in belgium that can do it mm. and is there any kind of physical restrictions to you brewing that beer or is it just oh, it's a time thing really um it's we have a, a britannomyces beer in tank at the moment that's been in there for a few months now so it's tied up that tank for a while which is we're very passionate about that so that's fine with us mm. um but yeah it's it's a slow process so it's it's a space and time thing really is the biggest thing and uh, is that type of beer you you've had to get try out new bottles is it for yes we are getting hold of some new bottles um for those beers we're also switching our normal bottles to a, a smaller format well a smaller looking format as well <laughs> they just, just look small same same <laughs> Yeah, we're looking to move our our um, our core range beers into a, a little stubby type bottle, just as a as a differentiation, and because we kind of like it. Um, but we also have had had to find some little champagne bottles for the the wild beers to go in, just to make sure they're they're safe. Yeah, and that's to do with pressure, isn't it? Yeah, so basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah because those bugs in there and yeast can chew on a lot more things than you know a, a Saccharomyces can. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure, we we put them in heavy bottles just to be safe. That's good. Good insurance. Um, ben, choice four. Oh, we were talking about White Rabbit a while ago, so that, that was my backup beer. So because it's had White Rabbit had a big impact on me as a brewer. Um, when they opened in Hillsville, 
Well, when they were setting up in Hillsville was when I first went in there. Um, at the time, I just left for Ed Hillbury, so I just went in there and pretty much showed up until they gave me a job. So, <laughs> which, at the time, there was only two people working there, and I was the third. So my first shift was packaging their first their first beer they brewed. So, and I worked there right up till the end. So I was there the longest in Hillsville out of anyone. So it had a really big impact on on me. Well, Kai might have worked there longer to set up hmm. around the same. But, yeah, so I brought in the Dark Ale today because that was their first beer, kind of. Originally, the White Rabbit was a Pale Ale, then they made it dark afterwards. Had to put all the stickers on the, <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the six packs, so it's burned some memories in my brain there. Um, but, yeah, a beer I enjoy drinking. It's probably... Um, not one of my favourite beers. It's a little bit sweet for my palate. So, but I still enjoy drinking it, and it's had a big impact on my life. That brewery and the people that work there. I still get along with them really well and talk to them regularly. Now, did um, the dark ale used to say on the label it was open ferments? Yeah, it still is pretty. Yeah, they and still. And, w- and what does that mean? Means that the tank doesn't have a top on it when it's fermenting. Is that because they've forgotten? Yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's actually a lot more expensive and time-consuming process. But the it just takes a bit of the tank shape's normally different too, so shallower and wider. So it takes a bit of pressure off the yeast, so it lets it sort of shine, I suppose. So it it can, it's not under so much strain, and it also allows you to top crop the yeast. So you you pull the yeast off when it's actively fermenting and put that in your next batch. So you get the best quality yeast you can but for the amount of time and effort it takes it's it's probably not worth it but it's, it was fun it was fun <laughs> it was if we had an unlimited budget we'd have some open ferment. yeah that's right yeah it was, and you got to see that actually see the ferment so you could walk into the open fermentation room and you'd see the beer fermenting away and you could kind of tell whether it was healthy or sick just by having a bit of a squeeze at it and and you got to know your beers really well by by just going in there and looking at them. So yeah, yeah. I think um, actually Samuel Smith, the UK Yorkshire brewer, um, actually has a picture of an open ferment on the back of their bottle. So you can check yeah. that. I think they've got one like a rectangular stone yeah. device, which is probably predates mankind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> These they, the ones that White Rabbit were all stainless and they were in, kept in. An enclosed room which had um, filtered air pumped into it to keep it under slight positive pressure. So they were, it was still like a pretty sanitary environment, mm-hmm. but um, just still had most of the benefits of and it open fermentation. Well, it doesn't say that anymore on the bottle. Does that mean they've stopped doing it? It says fermentation with imagination, which yeah. may not be the same thing. But to be honest, I don't really know because that they possibly don't put it all through the open ferment maybe they've outgrown the capacity they've got or something like that so um i don't know yeah but <laughs> I, I i do know they still put put beer through their open fermenters so, okay so, so yeah they're still there so any listeners who can go to geelong can find out <laughs> let us know uh aaron number five for my fifth one i think i'm gonna have to go with an old friend which is cooper's stout um, there's not a. I, I don't have a nice anecdote for this at all, really. It's just something that I as have have drunk for as long as I can remember, and it's always been great, and it's always something I've really loved. Um, Jeremy House from White Rabbit, his his dad and him um, don't call it Cooper's Stout; they call it Medicine, which is something I've just adopted because I think <laughs> it's perfect. It's, it's exactly what it should be. It's a comforting, roasty, super dry beer. Um, that yeah I could yeah I'm all the time anytime it's great and that that's the 6.8% yeah. is it the best yep. extra style yep. yeah yeah bit bigger body for it I think that's what carries it a bit as well but it's still got a decent amount of sort of smoky roastiness in there as well on top of that which I think is yeah I love it and so that leads us tell us about your uh, your own stouts our stout um our stout sort of in that vein of thinking as well um we keep it nice and dry. There's no crystal malts or caramel malts in there or anything like that. It's just not not our thing. 
Um, and we sneak, we do sneak a little bit of smoke malt in there just to, to boost that character a little bit. And it's sort of, we find it rounds out the profile a little bit. Um, and there's a little touch of oats in there as well. So, but again, like um, good things are simple. It's pretty simple. It's just ale malt, roast, a little bit of smoke and oats. That's how we roll. It's, it's beautiful as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. It is good. Um, Choice five. Yeah, I'll go with another Cooper's one as well. I drink, other than Watts River beers, I probably drink more Cooper's Sparkling Ale than any other beer. And it took me a while to warm to Cooper's um, from growing up as a Carlton drinker and even once I got into craft. Was initially, I didn't really like the yeasty character, but now I just can't get enough of it. I just, and I particularly like the sparkling. I uh, find it's got a bit more, I know, a bit bit more to it than the pale ale and the extra alcohol sort of rounds it out warms it up a bit and i don't know occasionally it's uh, you'll get a batch which is a little too fruity for me maybe it's fermented a bit warmer or something but most of the time i just love it excellent so um as looking at the bottle of sparkling there i was thinking about the temperature of beer I was speaking to your dad tony aaron um, on saturday he was saying you're going to do something a little bit special with the with the stout and the temperature and the tap yeah, we're gonna we're gonna aim to serve it slightly warmer than the others, probably around six-ish degrees, something like that. Yeah, sort of aim eight, for. I reckon. That'd be nice. Um, so yeah, I'm currently <laughs> building our proper tap setup, but yeah, it's just the idea to try and split the lines slightly so we can have um, most of our core range beers served nice and cold, where m- the majority of people like them, um, and just probably the stout and maybe something else through a, a six-degree line, just to open it up slightly, make it a little bit rounder. Um, and hopefully a bit, yeah, fuller on the palate. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense, but so few people go to the effort of doing it. So um, We yeah, haven't done it we yet. We haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't walk into the cellar door and demand your six-degree beer. Yeah, you <laughs> just have to sit on well, it. Sit it out for a while. It's not easy to get a beer, to warm up a... There's our cool rooms, four degrees, to warm up a beer on the way and get to pour, pour well. So we'll see how it goes. Aaron... Your last choice, choice My six. last choice um, is also yeah, a good, an old friend, um, and I would have to have to choose Beachy Pale Ale from Bridge Road. Um, yeah, it's another great Australian beer that um, changes slightly with the seasons because they're so close to the hop farms there and they must change things up a bit. But it is one of the, the first super dry pale ales that I tried. Like um, going through your, your beer journey and trying things, there's a lot of sweet hoppy beers out there and big round hoppy beers. And then I had Beachy Pale Ale that was just super dry, yet still really hoppy and it worked. Um, and that was one, yeah, one of the things the influence was like, that's the kind of beer I want to I wanna make. Stuff that's flavourful and characterful, but super dry and drinkable. And the Bridge Road kind of, they're a bit of an inspiration, aren't they, as being in a yeah, regional town and um, kind of doing what they're doing. They've got a big sour project, I think, at the moment as well. They've got a, yeah, a fooder, yep. which they do a lot of ferments in, and they're putting out, putting out heaps of beers at the moment, heaps of really good stuff, really good dude. Um, and they, yeah, regional town, he's quite outspoken about independent brewing and things like that, which I, I think is really good to have someone like him around. Mm. Um, but yeah, Beachy Pale, it's a great beer. Yeah, excellent. Um Ben, last choice. Yeah, I'll number six. Yeah, this is a beer that I really, really, really like. It's Oud Goosburn or Hoosburn, or however you pronounce it's very it. Very hard for I me not to put this <laughs> on to the pronounce list. it properly, and you're not European. You sort of got to get the growl in the back of your. <laughs> Don't throat. worry, I'm, I'm uh, European. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> proper <laughs> European. <Yeah. laughs> um, anyway, so it's a yeah, so it's a sour beer, um, a, a, general, a blended sour beer, so. It's just delicious, lemony, dry, um, sour, and just always tastes good. And it's and it like the Orville, it, it changes over time, and I think most of the time it gets better as it ages. But I can never let them sit in my, <laughs> in, my in my fridge for too long. And this is a beer that's better served warm too. So I have a separate fridge at home that's set to eight degrees beers such as this and the awful so they taste their best when i when i drink them but and if you haven't had it make sure you get one and try it it's great well with the sour beers is there a you know we know about say serving stout a little bit warmer you know ipas and and um 
you know, your blonde and things at cooler temperature. What is it with sours and how should they be stored and kept? Uh, just at like cool, cool conditions. So, and you can drink them anywhere between, I drink that probably eight to 12 degrees or something and it tastes mm. great. It just opens up the, the whole range of flavours that are in there and there's a lot of complex flavours that, yeah, continue on as you take a sip and, and if you have a cold wall, it's just a bit too sharp and doesn't really open up like it should. So mm. serve it warm for sure. All, pretty much most Belgian beers serve eight degrees or something like that and they just open up a lot more. But even our IPA, like, it's better off at six degrees than four degrees. It mm. just it, it's opens up a bit and tastes better. But yeah, so... <laughs> so we've been through your six beers uh, each and was there any that didn't quite make the list that you oh, there's lots. would have put on? <laughs> you give, give us a quick list if you can, uh, if oh, any come to mind. It was very difficult for me to not put Goose Bean on my list because that's something I've loved as well. But um, I've got a lot of fond memories of beers. Monteith's Black is probably one. I just I had a really great holiday with my wife in New Zealand, um, and that's I just have a really happy memory of that beer because of that experience. Mm. There's I think there's lots of things, lots of beers like that. Um, Hoptimum from Sierra Nevada. That's a big beer that I you know tracked down. And we used to track down every year because it's something that was I found quite amazing. Um, yeah, there's there's a big list of beers. <laughs> Ben, how about yourself? Uh, Any that didn't quite make it or you're quite happy yeah, with Yeah, so I feel the Belgian ones probably more than anything, like Triple Carmelet or even like a couple of the different blondes that have made, like the Leffer and, and La Trap. They, they've had drank a lot of those over, over, over my time, which are always well-made and delicious. Um, other than that, it's pretty hard to yeah, really name anything in particular well you've done pretty well yeah, six they, beers is hard yeah they're, <laughs> they're, yeah they're looking like two very nice six packs if you were <laughs> to go and collect the mix pack from uh from the local bottle shop so um now we're going to talk about your um ultimate beer snack to accompany these beers and a receptacle to drink the beers out of toasties toasties <laughs> what go on, what's on your toasty <laughs> ah depends on the beer i suppose yeah, yeast. just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be sourdough. I could have Vegemite. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeast. Aaron wouldn't agree with oh. that. <laughs> no thanks. But yeah, anything salty, I suppose. And yeah, fat and salt. Fat and salt. Yeah. yeah, good, good hard cheese with a bit of character, and a good, good like salty salami in there, and in a good toasty matches with most beers I can you could think of. I reckon. Excellent and. To drink these beers out of, do you have a preferred I think vessel? We, we pretty much agree on <laughs> this one too. Yeah, it's pretty much a nonic pint or a, or a tulip, but we, we love nonic pints. We think they're, they're a good all-round glass. Fits in your hand nicely. It's comfortable. And that's the one you've... It's got a little bevel near the top for yeah. a bit of added insurance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> it's when the fancy wine bars came out and they serve you a beer in that like kind of vase, which is straight, yeah. and yeah. had no bevel, and it's like what? No, they're just they're just comfortable, <laughs> and then they frost up. Uh, yeah, and yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, no. But other than that, yeah, uh, um, yeah, a big big job. wide yeah. goblet for for maybe some of the Belgian beers that yeah. um, so you can get a nice big rocky head um, from say Duval or something. Yeah, I think that if I had those two glasses, I could I'd be happy pouring anything in them. Now, um, before we finish, tell us where people can find you and online as well. So we're located Seven Hunter Road, Hillsville. So yeah, just turn left off the highway at Four Pillars Distillery, and we're about a block in from there. Um, and our website's whatsriverbrewing.com.au and you can buy our beers online there or look at where we're, we're available. And people can come to the cellar door, they can try the beers, they can uh, they can stay for a drink or they can get takeout as well. Yep, they can interrupt the podcast on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, they can drink in or take away. At the moment we don't have food but people are a bit allowed to BYO their own food so we have um, Eastside Smokers here on Saturdays at the moment so they do some great pork and brisket which you can have a yeah, yeah, brisket burger and a beer 
Sounds pretty good. And they can come and chat to your dad, Tony. Yep, dad comes in here whenever I'm in here pretty much on Celador. So, yeah, he has a chat to people and yeah, he enjo- enjoyed talking about Father Ted to you guys. Yeah, we had a long, long conversation reminiscing That's about good. episodes of Father Ted. So. Yeah, I went, used to watch a lot of Black Adder and Red Dwarf with him, but Father Ted I, I never got into, so he was he was glad to have a maybe, chat to Maybe you should come and do the six British sitcoms, British sitcoms with your dad. That would work very well. Well, thank you very much for spending time I, talking Instagram, about Instagram, Facebook, oh, yeah. Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'll put all of um, the Instagram and Facebook and things on the show notes so if you awesome. listeners can just click through on their uh, whatever they're listening to. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much, um, Ben and Aaron. No worries. Thanks for coming in. It's great yeah. to hear your beers and, uh, and share your story. So definitely uh, highly recommend anyone to come down if they're in Healesville. And if they're not, they should be. <laughs> they yep. should get here. Twice. <laughs> Cheers. So that was it. Ben and Aaron from Watts River Brewing. I had a great time when I went to Healesville, going to a couple of wineries and also Four Pillars Gin. But the best time I had was actually at Watts River, talking to Aaron's dad, Tony, about Father Ted. So uh, it was also very nice while I was recording in the brewery um, that we did get interrupted by... Uh, a couple of people who just popped in to buy some beers. So it's really nice. Obviously, words getting around and it's not very far off the Marunda Highway. So make sure if you're going through that you pop in and say hello. Make sure also that you do the nice thing and spread the word about the podcast. Um, we're getting more and more listeners and more and more listeners means more and more episodes. I'd love to make it more frequently. So uh, keep sharing it on social media, reviewing it on iTunes and also you can review it on Facebook. Uh, follow uh, at The Chosen Brew on Twitter, Instagram um, and like the Facebook page as well. I think we must be close or maybe a bit beyond 100 likes uh, we were at 99 for a while, maybe we still are, but um, you could be the 100th or the 107th. I value you equally, so um, please do that. But in the meantime, take care of yourself and uh, thanks for listening. See you next time.